following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Cabinet Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as lots and lots of always, is El- Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How are you doing, Elliot? I am surviving the Arctic cold. I, uh, I'm on my third Tauntaun now. I mean, yeah, I, it's Elliot? been so cold for so long that even as an introvert, I was like, I want to go out. <laughs> I, I, no, no, I never want to go out. Yeah. You, you, like, you, I don't want to make it to the car. <laughs> Your Tauntaun will die before you reach the first marker. That's the new in hell, which is right here in Chicago. Pretty much. But yeah. otherwise good. Otherwise good. That's, that's good. Uh, there's been a few things going on and a few little surprising things. I think we'll get to each one in turn. The first thing, because it's you and I, I think we need to talk about is that we're getting an Indiana Jones video game again. Which is cool, yeah. Uh, the the drawback being it's only going to be on Microsoft platforms, only going to be on Xbox and oh, PC. Sh- oh, it's not on PlayStation. Not going to be on PlayStation. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I got I I have yet. PlayStation. Yeah. Well, I have PlayStation because they're the only ones that get Spider Man. Yeah, and and I mean it's a licensed for Xbox. Who knows? Maybe in a year or so it'll get ported mm. over. Yeah. But right now, it's exclusively Xbox, which is kind of annoying a lot of folks. After the announcement, they showed the gameplay, which I know has some people kind of, eh, you know. Well, it's first person, which is I, I is an odd choice. I don't mind first person games. But when you're doing it on a licensed character, I feel like you want to look at the character. Where There are some times when you can do that, yeah, where the yeah. camera can shift out the third. But... And there's cutscenes, and he looks yeah. great, and uh, apparently Troy Baker, who is a huge video game guy, uh, and does, like, he would do this dead-on Mark Hamill Joker impression for any property that didn't want to pay Mark Hamill. He's doing a Harrison Ford that I've, that I've never heard anyone nail so so hard before. These little inflections that I've never heard anybody try to do. It's not just grumpy Harrison Ford. But it's very young Harrison Ford. It's much yes. younger Harrison Ford, yes. Yeah, it's it's like classic trilogy Indiana Jones. And the story looks interesting. You know, and uh, and honestly, any any Indiana Jones is a good thing. And still, not using any of the MacGuffins, at least that I know of, that I've come up with for my... I have two Indiana Jones pitches. <laughs> I keep waiting for them to use one of my MacGuffins, and they haven't. Although Kevin Rubio, who I'm a huge fan of, um, I talked about that on my Facebook page a while back, and I and and Kevin Rubio, who um, folks might know, he did the troops yes. uh, short that was huge. Um, it was like one of the first viral videos right around the time that internet could start showing videos. Videos right on YouTube and all, and then he did uh, the tag and bink series for Dark Horse, where his uh, his characters were appeared pretty much throughout the entire classic and prequel trilogy. Um, but he said, yeah, dude, just so you know, it, it ain't going to happen. You're never going to pitch Indiana Jones. And I mean, mind you, he said it kind of not in a, he wasn't being mean. He was being like, kind of like a realist saying, look, mm-hmm. 
I was the hottest thing going for a while there. And I got to pitch Indiana Jones and I walked into their studio and I pitched it and they said, mm, sorry, but what you want to do is very similar to something we want to do. And they've already had it in the works. And he even had to sign an NDA at one point so mm. they can show him all the production stuff. So, so yeah, Indy is one of those. We've talked about that on Top Men. My MacGuffin hasn't been touched. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is Elliot Serrano's Indiana Jones in the medium-sized circle. Is <laughs> in the very small circle. Yes. The circle is so small, you can't even get into it, which it's is trying to become an indie creator just trying to pitch indiana jones is just not not a not not really happening i'm really surprised though with all again with everything with dial of destiny and oh mm-hmm. i don't want to rehash everything we talked about on top men but it seemed like there wasn't as much i mean i'm, I'm surprised there was never a dial of destiny comic adaptation issued uh, done by marvel right. i'm surprised there were more weren't more tie-ins I'm surprised that they didn't do the uh, the Marvel run as an omnibus because they did those Dark Horse omnibuses back around Crystal Skull, but they were tiny little digests. And they did the whole Marvel Star Wars run as an omnibus. So I really thought we would get that. I mean, and those omnibuses, if you want to get the – well, I have, I have the first omnibus that has all the Dark Horse stuff. Um, but um, you would think, yeah, they, they would they – would, yeah, those those omnibuses are expensive. You should go out and try to yeah. find those books. And, and it's funny you can get you can actually get the original comics for less than the than the collections. Oh well, yeah, I've been noticing that with the collected editions lately. I was just uh, I, ju- I just met up with Joe Pakovich, who has not been on the show in a very long time, and told me last night I'm not I don't have anything I'm collecting that I can talk about right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> as we've been mentioning, comics have been kind of quiet lately. But uh, we were talking about Marvel omnibuses and Marvel masterworks, and I noticed now that I'm taking the train into work again, I'd rather have the Marvel masterworks than the omnibuses because the omnibuses are just too heavy to put in your bag and take on a train. So the Marvel masterworks that I had and then sold when the omnibuses came out, I was like, well, maybe I'll just get them back on eBay. And some of them were like two hundred bucks for yeah. what's a th- what's in like a third of one omnibus, and it's like I could. I could have the issues. And then of course the weight we were talking about yesterday, you know, uh, uh, to move a box of omnibuses is like moving three boxes of the original comics. Yeah. So- and I'm sorry. And yeah, and you can't even remember, we talked about this previously, like getting them digitally and, you know, cause it's Marvel is still Marvel and DC. You're still doing sales. Well, quote unquote sales mm. on, on the, on the, um, well, let's call them the Kindle versions now. Because say, uh, just say on Amazon, yeah, <laughs> because there's Comicology no comicology. Yeah, comicology is gone, um, yeah. and it just doesn't read as well on the Kindle app. Uh, so that that kind of killed that whole vibe. Well, and, as, as I, I I know we've talked about this many many times over the last couple of years. The smartest thing I did was just subscribe to both Marvel and DC Unlimited, which uh, the scans are much better. It's basically access to everything they have, which is everything they've ever reprinted. So if they do a trade paperback, all of those issues are on the app. So um, I know I spent the last couple of weeks rereading, uh, well, not even rereading, catching up with Batman and realizing, oh, I didn't like any of it. And I'm glad I didn't buy it. <laughs> but, you know, I can't do that. Ah, like, I, I, I'm glad that I didn't even wait a few years ago when it was like, hey, here's a 99 sale on this trade and a 99 cent sale on this trade. And I 
because I've got them all. And you're right. I tried to read them through the Kindle app. And even the stuff I bought five, 10 years ago, just it looks terrible and it moves. It, it, the OS is very clunky yep. and going page to page is a hassle. I was uh, literally I was reading an omnibus. I was re- rereading the Batman and Robin omnibus, but the Tomasi Gleason one, which is great if you've never read it. Uh, and I was reading the omnibus at home and then I was like, well, I'm getting on the train. Why don't I bring my iPad? And I bought the trade paperbacks years ago. I'll just read it. And literally trying to read the Kindle trade paperbacks got me to subscribe to the DC app. So, uh, it's all about the money. We found, we had the technology. They told us we'd have everything. And then they were like, you know what, you know, what's easier for us to make money is when we don't have everything. Oh, now was it now? Uh, video games. You don't even have those anymore. Uh, they're, they're, uh, I think it was Ubisoft that came out and said, "Hey, uh, you're not going to own your stuff as much." Yeah, yeah. but we were talking about um, was it Apple pulled some stuff out of the libraries out of people? Uh, Amazon did, yeah, yeah, and then now Ubisoft's doing the same thing. Um, it's just yeah. a matter of time. I think. Uh, well, we, we this happened on uh, Amazon Amazon Music. I, I subscribed to Amazon Music. Mm-hmm. I have the Streets of Fire soundtrack, and there's the Deeper and Deeper by The Fix is no longer part of that soundtrack. They hmm. they pulled it off, even though I have that soundtrack. Yeah, it's because it's like the work may have been done decades ago, but the rights continue. And nobody yep. gives a shit about the rights, but the rights will get in the way. You know what showed up at my house yesterday for Amazon? The complete Adam West Batman on Blu-ray that I owned and sold when I got the digital copies, but... With all of this talk, I'm like, I, I don't know that I can trust the digital copies. And it was on sale this week. And I was like, okay, here's my Adam West insurance. And then before we started recording this, I started watching the extras that I hadn't seen in 10 years. And it was just a lot of treating Adam West like a celebrity. That's all the extras that are on that set. Like, <laughs> isn't it back. great to be it? Yeah, it's like, isn't it great to be Adam West? It's pretty nice. <laughs> That's all the extras you get. That, I, there was literally a commentary of the first episode and it was Adam West reading his own script. And it, and, and it was the first episode, which is the Riddler. And every now and then it would pause and you'd see Adam West sitting in a chair and he goes, I wrote here, move your cape. And then it would go back to the episode. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, this came out of the time where they were starting to abandon discs, where they put less effort in. You know, the like the, no animated menus. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's the way the world with everything. And, uh, you know, I hate to say this because I was such a proponent of like the, the whole kind of like weightless collection. And, you know, uh, I, I saw a post about, uh, I got like a memory post about Marie Kondo the other day. And I was like, Hey, Hey, you notice when we all stopped talking about Marie Kondo once we were forced to be locked inside our houses. <laughs> It's like, you know what I need in my house? A lot of stuff. I, mean, I don't know. Where's my I don't stuff? Know what I'm yeah. Who took my stuff? Oh, that bitch made me get rid of my stuff. <laughs> I had the gold variant of the of the Joker from 1995. And Marie Kondo told me it didn't bring me joy. But not owning it brings me anxiety. <laughs> yep. 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 Welcome, welcome back to the physical media sphere. I've been, I, I have been on this side of the fence the whole time. I know. I, I have gone around the circle. Well, the thing that still worries me is, what about the day when they go, we're not making Blu-ray players anymore? 
That's when you gotta be stock up, you know, get those blu rares were all there on sale. Stock them. Yeah, but then yeah, but then I mean then the adapter changes and you can't plug it into a TV. They you know, they finally stopped making VCRs, and there's a lot of people out there that collect VHSs. Yeah. For 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 what reason? Who you know because because they can't find sorority bays at the slime bowl (laughs) bolorama. It's uploaded on YouTube somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I was having a conversation with Howie Weingart. We were talking about seventies TV horror, and uh, he he's been telling me, and he said it on the show. He's been telling me about this movie called Burnt Offerings with Oliver Reed and Karen Black, and then uh, I was telling him about Gargoyles with Bernie Casey in a Stan Winston gargoyle suit. He had never seen that, and then right after I got off the phone, I went to YouTube, and it was like. Watch Gargoyles with Bernie Casey uploaded to YouTube. And I was like, God damn it, that algorithm, it's following me everywhere. And then I realized he was signed into my account. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, speaking of things that have come and gone, we got news this week that Millie Gibson, who we have seen in exactly one episode of Doctor Who, it will not be back for the second season of Judy Got Was Doctor Who after spending a long time building her up. Now, personally... We've had one episode, so I don't know what I even think of her. Yeah, but, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't totally sold on her in that first episode of my phone. She seemed like Rose Light to me. Mm. But but again, it is it is one season. The first season's already in the can, right? right? They've started the second season. I forgot how many episodes did they say each season was going to be? Was it 10 or? Oh, that's a good question. Like, I, I my knee-jerk reaction would say 13 because that's what they used yeah. to do. But uh, it's, it's probably 10. But I would push back against this whole notion that she was like dropped or let go or fired well, because the, first the thing it, is the reports literally use the word dropped. Yes, they, they didn't say will not return. They all yes. they're all saying dropped. Yes, but who reported it? The Daily Freaking Mirror. Okay. Yeah, but then Variety picked it up. Yes, but it's. Uh, I'm sorry. Let us let us talk about the state of journalism, especially entertainment journalism, in 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 the world right now. Yeah, but Variety's not giant freaking robot. No, no they're not. But I mean, they are still. just as susceptible to picking up click, uh, going for the clickbait as anyone else. But in in anywhere, in any case, here's the thing: we already had it set up in the first in the very first special that there's this mystery surrounding Ruby Sunday, which I, I mean, come on, Russell T. Why did he just name her Ruby Tuesday already? Because that's, that's all I was thinking. That's the joke. Yeah, I know. Because so, you know what? Then then the uh, fajita poppers people will sue him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like <laughs> Mick Jagger and Keith Richards aren't even getting involved in that. <laughs> Pretty much. But So there's this whole mystery surrounding her, which really reminded me a lot about, um, well, of course, you had the, the Rose mystery, Bad Wolf. You had Clara, the impossible girl. Yep. You, you had uh, that. Amy Pond with the crack in the wall. The crack in the wall. So you always you would have this whole thing, and I'm pretty sure Russell T is like, you know, it's, it'll be this season, it'll be the Doctor and this companion. The through line for each of the episodes is going to be the mystery surrounding her, and then boom, and that'll be the first the first series or quote unquote. He calls it series one now. He's saying it's like essentially rebooting the entire Doctor Who universe, and then you go on to the next companion and next, and then. If um if I remember correctly, I remember the first time Russell T was in charge of the the Doctor Who franchise. He then had didn't he have a special where like all the companions came back for one big you know team up to deal with a thing like all like the Doctor and Donna and 
Oh and yeah, he, and Sarah Jane. Well, it was all of the shows: Sarah Jane and Torchwood, and right. So, they all teamed up. So see, I, I, I'm wondering with with this happening because I came in late to Doctor Who. I I came in when Matt Smith was the Doctor, mm-hmm. and uh, the reason I was able to access it is because that's when Netflix started streaming it. You know, right now Max has it, but back then, once he put it on Netflix, I I went in and watched Eccleston and Tennant and Smith in about a month. Mm-hmm. But so I wasn't there for these. So I'm wondering this reaction. I'm wondering if that's what it was like in 2005 when Doctor Who came back, and then immediately they said, "Yeah, Christopher Eccleston quit." So it's like, okay, do the this guy that I just got introduced to, I know isn't going to continue. So do I get invested? Yeah. Well, that though is it, its own case. I mean, Chris Eccleston did quit. He did yeah. get pissed off about the whole thing and said, "I'm done. I'm out of here." And he's never said exactly what it was. And oh no, he has said. He, lately, he's well. He said it's he said it's Russell T Davies, but he uh, he's never had a, like a story or an incident. No, he he. Well, he's gone very. He he has gone back to naming names. I mean, he has right. started naming names now. But yes, you're right. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we Cat Williams spent three hours this week naming names. It doesn't mean that any of it's accurate. <laughs> true, true that. So, so uh, but still, yeah, he never gets into. You're right. He never gets into specifics of it, and he and mercurial too, because he said at a convention a few weeks ago they were like, "What would it take for you to come back to Doctor Who?" And he was like, "Fire Russell T Davies." And I was like, "Okay, but you had like seven years of Stephen Moffat being there, right?" And then and you was... didn't come back. You made yeah. them hire John Hurt to be you. Yep. Exactly. That is absolutely true. But then he started naming other people in the Who production as well. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, Julie Gardner. And... Yeah. But but still, this whole thing with, with the companion, I, I kind of, I haven't, well, none of nobody's seen the first season. I'm pretty much thinking uh, Russell T. Davies has that story arc. It resolves itself at the end. We start with another companion, the next series. And uh, RTD's already said he's got like five, six years of the of the show mapped out already. Yeah. So you can tell he's probably building things over time that'll eventually pay off. You know. But again, I just, I'm just amused that everyone's like, "Oh, I've seen she got fired. Um, she's yeah, you guys said she got dropped. All these things." I'm like, I, yeah, I'm. I bet you that was in that was it. You got so many if so many episodes. Maybe you could you could well be right, though. I mean, uh, most of my examples are Moffat, but there are examples of solving that mystery and then keeping the companion around. Because, you know, once you solved once Moffat solved the problem with Amy, well, then the next season was just Amy and Rory and they were there. Or Clara, once he solved the impossible girl, Clara stays around, you know, through the next doctor. So but there was not just the story reason. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, she said she wanted to leave. She wanted to go. She and- was supposed to go in that Christmas episode yeah. when, like, the doctor finds her and she's old, old, and yep. she's like, "Oh, I've had this whole life. Great yep. goodbye." And the um, what was supposed to happen in that one? In fact, I just rewatched it. It's the one where Nick Frost plays Santa. Yep. But the blonde girl in that, who is just an Andor, she was supposed to be the next companion. Because uh-huh. when you watch that, they really build her up mm-hmm. to be like the most interested one. Mm-hmm. And it's like it seemed like at the last minute they, you know, they backed up the the money dump truck probably. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, was... yeah. Jenna Coleman decided, okay, I'll stick around for another season. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Um, I, I, it's funny because out of all of them, she's behind Amy Pond. She, I, I loved um, the. Um, I think I liked Jenna Coleman more than 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 uh, than Clara, mm-hmm. whereas 
I liked Amy Pond more than I like Karen Gillan. Really yeah, um, you know it's funny because Sebastian just discovered Doctor Who because he was watch. I was watching the David Tennant specials and he, that pulled him in. I think it was Beep the Meep. It was very very <laughs> smart because my ten year old that that is full of plush toys in his room. He was like, "Oh wait, I think I'm interested." And so he's been just binging Matt Smith hardcore, and he will not believe me when I tell him that Karen Gillan is also Nebula. He's just like, no, no. I literally took out the Amy Pond figure and the Nebula in our Marvel Legends and went, look, look at the face. Same person. He's like, it is not. I showed him pictures of Catherine Gillen with her head shaved at San Diego. He's like, no, no, it isn't. Yeah. He's got that Clark obstinance. Hey, <laughs> you can't say that. You're completely wrong in saying that. <laughs> and you've never met my father. Oh, he wants uh, to I, I, I got a text for him that he wants to uh, have a call with me to discuss the holdovers. And I don't know which way it's going to go, so I haven't called him back. Oh, wow. I hear good stuff about that one. It's though. great. It's on Peacock right now. It's uh, maybe the best Paul Giamatti performance. It's very um, very Hal Ashby. Like, okay. it's very early 70s. Um, I watched a YouTube video that not only is it set in the early 70s, but he shot it like an early 70s movie. It's it's really good. It's the kind of movie I would never go to a theater, but I was really glad I saw. Um, and he deserved the Golden Globe, and I have yet to see anything else. I haven't seen Oppenheimer is coming on in uh, Peacock in February. I'll finally see that. I, fi so I, I Yeah, I picked up the Blu-ray at my local library, and I finally saw it. Oh, I didn't think about the library. I just walked by my library. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of it? Starts really good. Uh really gets very you know very indulgent self-indulgent in the middle has a strong ending but that middle part's hard to get through indulgent what way in the performances or in the pacing the editing all of the above okay. <laughs> because it's like there are times when the 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 acting the characters really sound like characters and then there are times when they just sound like they're reading a script well nolan nolan is always like that and i i always find it's the editing where he does that because you have, you know, like, especially, I always think, of it, especially in the Batman movies, like Michael Caine, he's like, he's being full on Michael Caine. And then sometimes he's like, you put on this glove and then you drive your car and then you get out of the car. And then there's a joker. And it's like, <laughs> oh, he gave a performance and Nolan cut the shit out of it until he said it only what you needed and got out. Right. And that, that's, that is my problem. Nolan. I think Nolan's a fascinating filmmaker. I think his movies are very well crafted. I like them all, but I've never loved a Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, maybe the closest. Inception. No, Inception, I think, is the perfect example of that, where it's he's fascinating, uh, but he's always a co he's always cold and distant. And Batman Begins is my favorite Batman movie because it's the only one of those that's actually about Batman. But like, I don't love that movie in the way that I love like the '89 Tim Burton Batman, and I know it's a worse movie. <laughs> like I know that you know I know the Tim Burton movies are not great movies but there's there's something like there's more personality Nolan I, I feel know. like Nolan worked hard to remove the personality from his films well he did he deconstructed Batman much like Alan Moore deconstructed superheroes in Watchmen so yes and that's yeah. he was giving it I remember going this feels very Watchmen very you know again let's take apart this notion and and Basically, we're going to show you how the magic trick is done. 
Yeah, which is funny because then Zack Snyder made Watchmen and didn't do any of that. Didn't do any of that. Which he, well, it was pretty good until he got to the end, which was kind of dumb, but still. Uh, I yeah, I just found I don't know. I feel like we I could do a whole podcast about the problems with Watchmen. I first of all, I wondered if you could even do Watchmen outside of the '80s because it's such a product of his time. In the way that Dark Knight Returns is such a product of his time, but it's also like he just seemed to be missing. The, the whole idea of the satire of it like he just played it straight through and then of course then he got the main dc heroes and did the same thing with them yeah but the, to me with watchmen because you read it now i mean you can't do it straight up because you're right alan moore's writing well it's like okay it's like citizen kane where it you're it's it is a product of his time it's like wow incredible but you go now so many other writers and comics have pretty much done the same thing but better in a way and, and yeah. separate it more but uh, you know what that's how i feel that's how i feel about die hard so i'm like oh, okay yeah. this is a genre defining thing but then it's been not only has it been done better and a lot more often it's also been done to death yeah. so it's like i find it i i find it like not an easy watch i'm like okay all right it it's i'm almost academic about die hard yeah but i mean i think a good a good try at contemporizing it was when Damon Lindelof did his Watchmen miniseries for HBO. Yeah, I love that. And that first episode is incredible. And then it just kind of loses itself at the end, kind of yeah, like I, as a Damon yeah. Lindelof story will will do. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting all the way through. It, it The HBO Watchmen reminded me of what DC was trying to do with before Watchmen. But the problem with before Watchmen is everybody was either doing an homage or trying to get as far away from the Alan Moore book as possible. And none of those, none of those stories helped the main story at all. Right. They were and all then, just kind of doing riffs on it. And then Jeff Johns does Doomsday Clock, which is essentially a Watchmen sequel, but I have never finished that book. I oh you could have got it for you could have got it for like four bucks on, on Amazon. You know, I can read it for free on DC Unlimited right now. <laughs> I just haven't. I read it. I was like, it's really because I don't. Much like Watchmen, Doomsday Clock was played with production issues. Yeah, and that was the thing. Well, and Jeff Johns, I mean, Jeff, that it always happens when comic guys have a second job, because Jeff Johns was very involved in the films, their comics always fall like crazily behind. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at All-Star Batman and Robin. That never got finished. That was in 2008. That book is as old as my junior in high school son, and it never got finished. But yeah, Jeff Johns, I don't know. Jeff Johns, I feel like he was really gr great at one point, and then he got busy on other things. It's, it's kind of like when Stan Lee would write a book again. It's like, okay, I acknowledge that you were great, but this is not where your heart is anymore. Because yeah. I've read Three Jokers multiple times, and I still don't know exactly what he's trying to do with it. Yeah. No, I mean, he was like, there, there's three Jokers, and the only thing that happens in that book is they kill one of the three Jokers. <laughs> Look, I follow writers like mad, and and whether they're movie writers or novelists or whatever, and they all they all have a they all, all reach the end of whatever. I mean, Aaron Sorkin, who I worship at the feet of, mm -hmm. um, hasn't been really doing. I mean, as you know, his 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 work hasn't quite been holding up either, even his newer stuff. So yeah. Well, I mean, going back to Doctor Who, Steve, I thought Stephen Moffat was an absolute genius, but until he kept doing that trick again and again and again. And then, like, you start to see the the sleight of hand to it. 
exactly. or jo- you know, or Joss Whedon and uh, Joss Whedon was com- compounded with, he did so much stuff that you're like, Oh, okay. Well, Firefly is Buffy again. And the, when you look at the Avengers through that lens, it's just Buffy again. Yeah. And then of course, then of course he gets canceled on top of it. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. However, uh, to flip the script on that, I just read, and it's about a year old, but I read the first issue of Mark Wade's world's finest, which is still running really good. Yeah. Really fun. Silver agey threw everything at the wall, uh, art by Dan Mora, which is nice, which are nicely handled. And I was, and I remember thinking, well, I was like, wow, Mark Wade hasn't lost it. Like people usually do. It's, which is great too. I mean, I mean, I, although I haven't had a chance to read it, I, I have complete confidence that it's good. Um, and, I, and I've only read the first issue, which kicks off a story arc. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he paid it off. And obviously he's had runs like justice league where he writes a perfect opening story. And then, Hasn't yeah. quite figured out what else to do. Yeah, um, and I know, although he, for for uh, to to pin it to what's going on now, he did kind of get himself in a bit of trouble talking about what he would have liked to. Would he was like up up theorizing or talking on social media about, oh, it would be great to do this or this, but it wasn't anything that he said was actually going to happen. And then mm. some comic yeah. news sites started reporting it as news and it got him in hot water with the folks at DC. And you you feel bad for the guy because he's trying to share the process with people yeah. and, and he's getting shit for it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is again, a- the state of me, the state of entertainment media. Well, it's a state of social media. I feel like, Three writers that I absolutely love that I never want to see on social media again for their own good are Mark Wade, Gail Simone, and Dan Slott. <laughs> yep. Every time they post something, it's a huge, huge fight. It causes, and then it, it, it's, and they've got people just gunning for them all the time. It's like Gail yeah. Simone lives rent free in so many heads. I yeah. swear. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love her work, but it's like, uh, I feel like, I feel like they all bait a little bit. <laughs> a little. I mean, I will Mark, admit. Mark Wade is definitely goes after alt rights. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And slot, sl- like Gail Simone will troll everyone. Gail Simone will just troll Mark Millar. And, well, and then we all get to watch that. And like, she started a fight on whether or not Cyclops' octave blast had, had heat. Yes! Days, yes! Days. Yes! That. And I know she's trolling. I know she's having fun with it, but that trolls me, even though I know she's trolling. <laughs> that that pushes my hot button. I'm like, damn it, Gail. <laughs> well, I honest honestly, I feel like you have to look at the art and they've gone both ways because I've seen plenty of panels of steaming goggles, yep. and then I've seen plenty of panels of a lamp breaking when he hits it. Yep. And 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 Cyclops has referred to it in both cases as concussion blasts yep. and heat blasts. Yeah. So it so, depends on whoever's writing him that particular issue. But yeah, that was, that, there was a, there was a, there was a, I was going to say a literal firestorm, but firestorm <laughs> was not involved in the conversation at all. And then slot, I think with slot, it was, uh, he got into such hot water when superior Spider-Man launched and then superior Spider-Man is considered the high water mark of all of his Spider-Man work to the fact where he's now brought it back. Um, I feel like, I feel like he's got this chip on his shoulder. Like you can't tell me what to do. Like every time he goes on social media, it's like, well, you were wrong about Superior Spider-Man, so you're gonna be wrong about this. You know, you know who wishes he'd say off social media? His editor. Yeah. <laughs> because, 
for all the time he spends on social media jibber jabbering at people, that means he's not working on a script that they're waiting on. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely writer's block involved in it. And you know what the the best the best and hardest thing I've done in the last year was quit Twitter because I realized I don't get news anymore. No, like I keep trying Threads, but Threads is is it's not there yet. There's not enough people on it. And uh, Facebook, it's like I'm just constant. My Facebook, I don't know about you, but my Facebook is constantly groups of people saying they like things I'm interested in. It's almost like the internet in 1997. It's like every time I go in, it's like, I like hot toys. I like Gibson guitars. And I'm like, (laughs) all right, why? And they're like, here's a picture of one. And then it's like, and 50 likes. I'm like, this is not a conversation. (laughs) No, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got troll feed stuff coming up in my, my, uh, my, uh, facebook from time to time too and every once in a while i jump in just to you know piss somebody off and then just leave and this well, yeah I, well that's the thing that's why i don't post i'm like well am i gonna be the troll that says stop posting this this, no, guy really. seems, yeah. this is this is something i struggle with all the time like when i see somebody clearly happy but not that smart do i want to burst their bubble or do i just oh. envy, or do i just envy that they're happy i, I envy that they're happy <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that uh, well, uh, speaking of things that have come out and were surprising one way or the other, you and I both both watched Echo on Disney Plus this weekend. Yes. And I I went into this with a lot of trepidation because um, obviously we can all talk about you know where Marvel is now, and that's something that can sustain this podcast every week. But I felt I felt so burned by Secret Invasion that like. I did watch What If, but it barely even registered in my mind. I was just like, fine, next, 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 next. I can't even tell you, like, what happened. It seemed to be a rehash, and I was like, all right, well, there's – I don't know that Marvel's got anything to offer me on streaming right now, and we'll see what happens. And then uh, I I watched Echo, and I watched the whole thing in one day. So what did you think of it, finishing it? Well, first, to address, I liked the second season of What If. I enjoyed it more than the first season, to be really? honest. Really? I, I did not enjoy it nearly as much as the first season. Yeah. So, but again, that I just wanted to say that. And it kind of helped me frame my own perspective when I look at things like Echo. Um, and, and I will say the experience I did, the experience I had doing the Shaken Not Heard podcast. Where we where we always talked about James Bond and how James Bond was adapted for the films after you know going to the source material and again for folks uh, who think that uh, any of the James Bond films are faithful adaptations of the books none of them are there's a lot they change a lot a lot I mean usually just all they do is keep the names and maybe a couple uh, a couple uh, action sequences that Ian um, that um, Ian Fleming describes in the books, but nonetheless, they did. They, yeah, I, I go into Echo. I remember when Echo first debuted in Daredevil, when you had that great um, chunk of books David Mack wrote and drew. Uh, this is when Daredevil is going through yet another renaissance. You had uh, um, Kevin Smith uh, was on the book for a bit. Yeah, he did one story where he killed Mysterio for no reason. That's right. all I remember about his run. And Casada drew it. Right. Uh, Brian Bendis is on it. And then, of course, um, you know, David Mack introduces Echo, who yeah. really is a female taskmaster. 
uh, in the comics. She just she just has the ability to mimic anyone's fighting style. So if she sees, you know, she like again um, either them like Taskmaster or Prometheus. Remember Batman's uh, yes enemy in the comics. You know, if he know if he sees your fighting style, he can copy it. So basically, he can take on any. In theory, you know, I air quotes again. He can you can fight anyone when you can mimic their style. Although it's kind of like discounting that I can mimic the Incredible Hulk's, you know, fighting style. But if I yeah, but, yeah, the, uh, to a limit of human, it's not like I. Right. It's it's he's not the super adaptoid, right? <laughs> like, right, right. I'm going to mimic Superman and jump off of this roof. <laughs> exactly. So. But but what made the Echo character compelling was and was first her relationship to Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock is blind; she's deaf. They both live in d- different worlds because of their, um, you know, their limitations. Echo, though, doesn't have the radar sense or anything like that. She's just again able to pick up on all these cues, all these physical cues, and mimic them. They completely get rid of that in in the in the Disney series, and they give her this whole new set of mystical powers. Which I'm not sure if that's comic based, because again, I haven't kept up on on a Marvel comics or on that on the Echo character. Maybe it is. Maybe they decided to put that in later. I don't. Yeah, know. and you know, Mar- Marvel's very very good at reboots within the same story, right? Because they also change. Yeah, it's like Kamala Khan. Um, she, her, Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel's character, her powers are different, and the television. No, they basically make her Green Lantern in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, after saying all that, I watched the show. I mean, I'm watching the, the 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 series, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Although that first, people say you can just walk right into this not knowing anything. I'm like, no, you probably you really had to have seen Hawkeye, um, to get to get this one. Yeah, read. and in fact, I. You know, Hawkeye was now three years ago, so yeah. I, I had to shake the dust off. And it, it also really helps if you've seen all the Netflix Daredevil. That too. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I will say the Netflix, the, the, I'm sorry, the Daredevil that appears in this first episode uh, seemed way cooler than anyone in the, in the Netflix series. Because those fights, that fight between, between Daredevil and Echo in that first episode was badass. I'm like, oh. Yeah, and I, can't, I can't remember if that was completely new. Because the Hawkeye stuff was footage from Hawkeye. Footage from the, okay, yes. And yeah, Jill and I were watching yesterday, and we we realized that like Jeremy Renner, I don't think will ever look like that again after his accident. So that's not new footage of Jeremy Renner, right? Uh, but was that? I don't think the footage was old Daredevil footage, but like, yes. was that from a plot point in one of the three seasons of Daredevil? I can't quite remember. I don't think Echo ever appeared in 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 Daredevil. That, okay. That's the whole thing. She appears in Hawkeye. Add to that, that wasn't Charlie Cox um, in there. Mm. That was you could tell it was a, another guy in the costume. Yeah. So, so I'm like, and 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 I'm there going, man, why couldn't they have done all these badass fights in Iron Fist? <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> Iron Fist had the worst quote unquote karate fights. I'm doing the air quotes today for folks yeah. who know. There's a great there's a great meme of defenders. It's not quite Iron Fist where everyone's fighting and the guy playing Iron Fist is throwing punches clearly three feet away from every stunt. <laughs> so, so I it's it like that. That, which works if you're Magneto. <laughs> but, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and you're not underwater. 
Yes. Magneto doesn't work underwater. Yeah, that, well, that's a new thing. Magnets don't work underwater, right? That's, underwater. that's, that's a new flat earther thing. Um, the, and then you have the bit with um, um, the kingpin coming back. Well, that's who, really what I want to get into. Right. Who's really, I mean, and again, you had to have seen Hawkeye to really understand the depth of what's going on. And here. I, I do think you had to have seen Daredevil because there are very important callbacks. There's like, yeah, there's okay. like a quick flash of him looking at his bedroom wall. And then there's a quick flash of him looking at that white painting. And it's like, that's the best episode in the first season of Daredevil. And that was where, whereas with the Hawkeye stuff, I'm like, have I seen this before? Is this part of it? Was this new? As soon as I saw that painting, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that it would like mm-hmm. hit this emotional cue mm-hmm. for me. So I, I do think it really, really helps. Now I have, I did not see the later seasons of Daredevil, but do they ever explain why Kingpin's strength level is 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 what it is? No, because like, it just jumps from it jumps between Daredevil and Hawkeye. So okay. I think in Daredevil he's just big, like he's just yeah. like if Vincent D'Onofrio was very angry at you. <laughs> that was yeah, you know, like in early in season one he like slams a guy's head in the door until it until he's yeah, dead. Remember, like yeah. you could you could do that. I was, I was re-watching Raging Bull, and Joe Pesci does that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Because I'm there going, you, this is a guy who's going to have to be able to go toe-to-toe to Spider-Man at, with Spider-Man. Well, well, that's the big thing I, I came away from this. I liked it. I felt like, oh, the things I really liked about it, I was like, it was doing something different, which I hadn't seen Marvel done in a, in a long time. They use sound in a good way, especially in the fight scenes, that I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're getting the perspective of this character. And I felt like I they hadn't done that in a bit. And, uh, and at the end of it, I felt like, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Kang for the last year, like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And at the end of this, I'm like, I, I don't know why you're worried about, worried about Kang and Dr. Doom and Galactus. It's like, you've had Vincent D'Onofrio doing this role for like seven years now, like build it around him. Yeah, sure. The Kingpin can't beat up the Avengers, but everything. Every street level character, including Spider Man, I really think it's a huge, huge loss. It's it was my fan fiction for years, but I think it is now a huge loss if the fourth Tom Holland Spider Man is not about Spider Man versus the Kingpin. I agree. I agree. And I, and I think the way you do it is you is you do it the way you do it in the comics. Kingpin is a normal gangster who probably can't defeat Spider Man in hand to hand combat, but then he's got every henchman. Who is a Spider-Man villain you haven't seen yet? Just throw throw Hammerhead and Silvermane and the Rose and Mister Negative and fill the whole movie with those guys visually, with the Kingpin pulling pulling the strings behind the scenes. Put in Daredevil if you want to. Put in Luke Cage if you want to. You know, bring back Echo if you want to. But D'Onofrio is hitting this on a Josh Brolin level of Marvel. Villain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Although, spoiler for anyone who has not seen all seasons of echo and didn't catch if you haven't seen that post credit scene uh, they're already they're already yeah. teasing pulling a, a a a a plot point from the comics a um, plot point which is ongoing in the comics and you know yeah. spoiler warning we'll just say it right out because if you're following the comments if you're following the comics for the last few years it is no spoiler to know that that wilson fisk the kingpin it right now is the mayor of new york um, because J. Jonah Jameson is not the mayor of New York anymore. <laughs> the, 
I, I did love when Jameson was a mayor. Now Jameson is a podcaster. So <laughs> what I was saying about reboots within the same series. I mean, Giuliani's not a podcaster yet. Yet. <laughs> but so you, you, you're, they're probably going to pull that in. And But to, to, to your original point, yeah. I mean, having um, the Tom Holland Spider-Man have to deal with the the kingpin who's the mayor who's everyone knows i mean knows is corrupt and is pulling the you know the sometimes pulling the strings in plain view of everyone everyone Mm -hmm. um and then yet you have people who defend him and who are loyal to him wow does that sound familiar to anybody yep does that sound like somebody with multiple investigations who's still the front runner of of the presidential race (laughs) After he tr- after he tried to burn the country down, yeah, yeah, but and there is uh, when Zadarsky was writing Daredevil, he did put in a story which ended up touching all the Marvel books that uh, the first thing the Kingpin did as mayor was make superheroism illegal, which yeah. th- is something we can play with with everyone in New York. Yeah, but th- 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 my thing was I even said that you know what you do, Avengers, everyone, take your asses out of New York, move to you know. New Jersey, move to freaking Connecticut, wait for two things. One, the crime rate to, to spike because of all the supervillains running loose. And two, the next garbage strike. That will bring the kingpin down quicker than anything. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is Galactus doesn't land in Parsippany. <laughs> but that's again, what, but that's again, that is all. Like, all it, it it's all like falls that, back on the kingpin at that point. It all falls back on the kingpin. Yeah, but if Galactus is going to eat the Earth, we're not going to wait for political points. Yeah, but the 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 Avengers. I mean, it was like the people fall. that it was, it was. It's like the people that were hoping COVID would kill all of us. Pretty much, but 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 the the the, the Avengers can fight Galactus from Connecticut just as much as from New York. It's not it's not that big a drive. It's not that long a drive, folks. <laughs> well, what are they, they did it all the time? What are they, GI Joe? They'll just launch missiles. Pretty much. We're not going through the tunnel. Just keep watching missiles. <laughs> so, anyway, back to Echo, though. The one yeah. thing I did appreciate about the show, though, was uh, everyone always talked about Marvel as the world outside your window, right? And I liked, uh, they, they brought Echo as, again, a street-level character. We got to learn um, a, a lot, much like we learned about um, um, Muslim culture with, with Ms. Marvel there was a lot we learned about the Choctaw, Choctaw tribe mm-hmm. with um with Echo. But I felt we we did it in a more subtle, elegant way than Ms. Marvel. Like I feel like Ms. Marvel really wore it on their sleeve. And part of it was the tone of that show was 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 very much bright and in your face and obvious about everything. I felt like the uh what we learned about the Choctaw tribe was very it was very subtle. It was just little nobody they didn't stop the show to explain. Like what life was like. They just showed yeah, it. Yeah. Which yeah. I and, really appreciated. And Graham Greene can do anything. Uh, Graham Greene. As long as it's Native American. <laughs> he's done other things, but still. he is. Yeah, he's, but anytime there's a Native American, I'm like, all right, Graham Greene in Graham three, Green two, one. one. Also the actor, and I really feel bad about this because I don't, uh, I never remember his name. The actor who played Echo's father. Um, oh, he, yes, yes, yes. He's, he's in everything because he was scary as shit in Dr. Yep. Sleep. And I'm still having a hard time. He was also in Fargo. And, and, um, and yeah, but of course he was, we saw him in Hawkeye before. So yeah, yeah. 
He's one of those actors that pops up in a lot of stuff and is always yeah. great. He's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then uh, uh, the guy who played Biscuit. I, I'm telling you, Biscuit is is right. He is was on the verge of being the Madison of this series here. You know, remember Madison from from She-Hulk? Oh yeah. It's Madison yeah. with the Y, not where you think. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping he would be the breakout character. You know, Biscuit would be the. Breakout he was a, he was a little goofy. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, was I, I, yeah, but he, he wasn't so cartoony that he that he was a breakout for me. But he also wasn't like, he also wasn't so capable. There were moments I was like, why are we trusting this guy? This guy just let the Kingpins men park whatever they want. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, and I did like that. I did like the the, the sense of menace I got from. The Kingpin's men. That was, was the one it? thing though that got me. I was like, I was like, holy shit. They keep more of them keep coming. You know, they we just knocked down like six of them. Wait, oh no, there were eight more waiting in the background. How many of them are there? <laughs> I I realized the same thing. Uh and then I realized she's not that powerful. Those guys are getting back up. They're getting back yeah. up, yes. Because I noticed, uh, especially in the um the skating rink fight, where it just yeah, it felt like she fought 50 guys and there were 10 there. Yeah. Uh, at the end of that, every one of those guys would beat to hell. So she would knock them down and move on head. to the next guy, and those guys were getting back up. Yeah, well, a couple she shot. She she straight up murdered some of these guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, is, she's not Batman. No, no. <laughs> and, and also, yeah, although full of rage and bringing lots of shit, you know, to people around her. I'm like, going, oh, man, OK, that's fine. Again, she's a street level character. She's still learning things. I mean, she's probably going to I, mean, I mean, this show is really an evolution of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows, which, as we know, the MCU has come more and more and more to embrace. And which makes a lot of sense for them, because I think they're finally realizing, hey, we can't keep spending movie money on these things. Yeah, and, yeah, and expect them to be done on a TV schedule, and it, you know that the complaint about the later episodes of Ms. Marvel and She Hulk, and that bleeds into Quantum Mania, you know, and uh, where the effects don't look great anymore. I think they are starting to realize, hey, the reason we did these on Netflix is because they were easier to do. It's like it. Uh, I was just like I said, I was rewatching Adam West Batman's today, and I was remembering when they pitched it. They initially pitched it as we just want to do a superhero show. We want to make fun of comic books. And they were they had a list of things like Superman, Green Lantern, Spider-Man, and which amazes me because well, first of all, looking back, you realize what a big hit it was, but it's also like you didn't have the budget to do anyone with superpowers. That's a reason you did Batman. Yeah, yeah. Because like Adam West stood around and talked all the time. Yeah. And I think that I think they're realizing that with the shows. It's like we got to get the people that don't cost $5 million every time they have a fight. And can I also give a kudos to Marvel for calling this particular series Marvel Spotlight, like the old comic books when they would introduce yeah. a new character and they'd call now, it Marvel Spotlight? And refresh my memory, didn't they use that for the Man-Thing special? Man-Thing? I think they that's how they introduced Morbius, if I remember correctly. Uh-oh. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that was like Marvel Spotlight was like that I like was it like oh you mean the yeah the comic is where they introduce it like whenever they um, create a new have a new character they were yeah. gonna come up let's throw it let's throw it under that yeah and there then, was Marvel Spotlight there was Marvel Premiere yeah yeah and it's like when I saw that logo I was like yeah that's what all of these were supposed to be yeah they were 
they pitch these as these are the characters we can't make a movie of because they don't have a big enough fan base. But then very quick, very, very quickly, it's like, here's all the characters in movies that we're going to do a series of that we may or may not follow up. And I think that's, for me as a fan, that's where the disconnect happens is when you have a great show like WandaVision and then you do a complete 180 to bring her in Doctor Strange a year later. It's like, yeah. wait, I thought this was all supposed to be connected. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and I'll admit, I was a, a tad disappointed with the end of Echo when they introduced this whole mystic power element, which was like, it seemed, I mean, I, I got the themes to it. I yeah. got it. And I could tell they were slowly building to that over time. But I'm like, you know, we can have superheroes without superpowers. You know, we can have, you know, they can just. Yeah, be- not everybody has to glow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I felt like um, this this character, especially the way they they structured this series, they could have hung this on one hook so strongly like this could have been the female empowerment show this could have been the native american show this could have been the hearing disabled show this could have been the amputee show this could have been the um the adoptee show and they just touched each one of them lightly enough where none of them felt preachy yeah you know and like i was saying about the native american culture before i felt like Ms. marvel was much more heavy-handed about the muslim culture then Echo was about the Native American culture because they were also balancing it with these other things. And that was like, I felt like, okay, this, I know you're hitting these notes, but this feels like more of a well-rounded character because you're not focused too hard on any one of them. And Miss Marvel played to me more like a farce comedy, like superhero comedy. Well, they were, they went for that more of a Spider-Man tone and this is going for more of a Daredevil tone. Yeah. And this one, yeah. So there were definitely different tones to it. And the supporting, I mean, Ms. Marvel, I mean, I, I, I love the dad in Ms. Marvel. We talked about the dad in Echo. I mean, the dad in Ms. Marvel is actually great. Um, the family was a lot of fun. Yes, at the end, it got a little bit, as you see, it got a little bit preachy. Um, the and with and yeah, I, I thought the mother was a bit much, but, yeah. I, but you know, when mother, you, not, I'm sorry, now that I'm revisiting both endings, it's like, wow, wait a minute, both, both Ms. Marvel and Echo essentially had the same ending. <laughs> It's like the, at the least it wasn't a big light that shoots up into the sky. Yeah, but the community rallies and then there's a power sharing and that and this whole thing happens. Like, oh, okay. Oh. I mean, yeah, uh, that's kind of the end of Guardians One. Yeah. So, but on for what it's worth, and let's be honest here, this is people are are complaining about the 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 um the they're tired of the superhero stuff and all. I'm like, guys, you don't have to watch everything. If you if if you're tired of the whatever's going on now, take a break. Come back later. Not everything has to be connected. Not everything has to entertain you. There's a lot of stuff out there, folks. A lot of stuff. You know what? Enjoy the hundred different law and orders that are out there right now. No one ever complains about law and order fatigue. So whatever. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh Things that you are looking for. Have you got a greatest thing in the world this week? Oh boy, I've got a few actually, but um but one. I, I think my movie prop collecting is coming full circle. It might be coming to an end. I finally got a Sankara stone for my Indiana Jones prop collection, uh, courtesy of Landron Landron Artifacts on Etsy. Probably the better Sankara stone I've seen out there. Love it. Go pairs nicely with the indie voodoo doll that I got through Shop Disney. 
which is also a very nice uh, re reproduction and also on sale. So I say grab those babies while they're on sale, just like I grabbed the Indiana Jones Temple Escape Lego set on sale. Uh, Amazon had it marked down to 130 bucks, and I had about $75 worth of uh, reward points through my Discover card. So I ended up paying eh, about 60 bucks for a $150 set. I cannot complain. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely watching the sales, as I said before. I just got the uh, Batman 66 Blu-rays up for 40 bucks for all 120 episodes. So the deals are the deals are out there. My greatest thing is probably the thing that has the least amount of deals possible. Is that the uh, 12 inch stuff is really heating up. I just got uh, Exo6's Next Generation Data, which I comes saw with, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so nice. And I said this about the first Contact one, which I got a couple of years ago, but this is even even more be, that it, not all, the paint is so good that not only does it look like the right kind of gold that Data was, but it looks like makeup applied very very well on top of brent spiner's face it's it's hard to explain like it's almost translucent and it comes with two cats two cats <laughs> one he can hold and one that sits there oh spot. and they're and they're just coming fast and furious now as uh i said there are i'm trying to hold back man but there's some really really good stuff on pre-order as you Look. said there's a dial of destiny indie yeah they're doing batman 89 again there are some really nice third-party jokers out there and it's like they're worth the money at 200 each but man they can rack up fast so you really have to choose wisely uh you know i was listening to your show when you were talking about those ds9 uh, figures. I'm like, you're like, do I really need this one and that one? And do I have to get that one? I was like, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, and, well, that's the thing. It's like D Space Nine in particular. I love Odo's my favorite character, so I'll probably get him. Kira is my least favorite character of those, but it's like, do I need all of them when it comes to next gen? Yeah, I'm gonna need all seven, you know, eight if they do Wesley, but DS9, it's like, if I get all of those, well, then that's like 10 more. <laughs> It's, I only have so much detail space. Huh, huh. And you criticize me for not getting all the adventure series. <laughs> yes, I do. Cause they were like 20 bucks each and they are gone. They are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but if you want to let us know what you're into, there's ways to get in touch with us. They are uh, rapidly shrinking on social media. Just go to <laughs> facebook.com. Cause you know what? We're middle-aged and so are you. Uh, just go to <laughs> Facebook.com slash caffeinated comics, where we post all the news that's fit to geek. Uh, love to see comments, love to see messages from people. As I always say, we are in the 11th year of caffeinated comics. Uh, this podcast was started to promote a store which no longer exists. It was to talk about comics we no longer subscribe to. It went through an entire era of uh, superhero movies and television that we are now fatigued of, but we keep going as long as people want to keep listening to it. Elliot, how do we find you? And I am on all the socials at Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's, and two R's. My Facebook page is open. Um, if you send me a friend request, I'm sorry, I only approve friend requests for people I know in person. But again, professional open page. You're welcome to watch, uh, look, comment, troll if you want. But I'm telling you, if you come shooting for the king, you best not miss. <laughs> And on that note, we will friendly welcome you back next week. 